Hey, what's up, guys? This is Anthony Anthem, a.k.a. Black Fabio, a.k.a. The Midnight Marauder, a.k.a. Mr. A.k.a. And with that, we have a special guest today. Would you like to state your name, sir? Sure. My name is Cornelius J. Maxwell. Well, hello, Mr. Maxwell. How are you doing today? I'm good. And yourself, how are you? Man, I woke up this morning. I cannot complain. I heard that. Matter of fact, I met someone a couple of days ago, and he said, uh, he asked me, how's I doing? I said, I'm doing great. I can't complain. And I asked him, how's he doing? And he said that today he woke up looking down at the grass instead of looking up and seeing the roots of the uh, the roots of the grass. So it's a good day as long as he's not looking up at roots. <laughs> I hear that, so, man. Mm-hmm. So. so, yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, Mr. Maxwell. Okay. Well, first, huh? Okay. Uh, well, first, I'll say thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate your audience for listening to me. Um, to get more depth in depth about my my background, my bio, uh, I'm a United States Army veteran. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm a student. I've studied and you know, I went to college, graduated from college, and currently I'm in the process of uh, working on a bill that helps veterans to help decrease their uh, PTSD suicide rates, their unemployment, then decrease the homelessness, also increases entrepreneurship for veterans and increases the opportunities for veterans to earn their benefits that they so rightfully deserve. I love it. I'm already liking this. Like, so you are definitely out for your brothers and sisters in arms. It's um, correct. So you're fighting for them. And I respect that because. Um, as I've said before on the show, um, both of my parents were both military. My father served in Death of Storm. My mom, uh, my mom was part of the Marine Corps um, from '83 all the way till 1991 after the Ground War ended, and my father got out um, a little bit later after that. Um, well, if it wasn't for the military, um, I would not be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was born in 29 Palms, California. Okay. <laughs> the <Yeah>. desert. <laughs> the desert. Yeah. What everybody desert. calls 29 stumps. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, and think I'm an Army brat myself. My dad's retired uh, Army as well. And I was born in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, in which the same day that I was born, my dad had a softball game. And so after I was born, he went, played in the softball game, and hit a home run. So it made it on the Post newspaper that said uh, Staff Sergeant Maxwell hit a home run in honor of his uh, newborn son. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> That's one of those things you see in the movies, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go hit this home run for you, son. I'll be right back. That's right. Welcome to the world. <laughs> Dude, I sent something flying. Now it's time for you to soar high, son. That's right. He had set the bar. <laughs> Coming to AMC Classic soon, the Maxwell story. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know I'm a door for that one. <laughs> oh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's a great way to start the movie. Wow, wow. <laughs> oh, it's gone. Oh, yeah. And this was the birth of a soldier. That's right. The man <laughs> trying to make a difference. The Cornelius Maxwell story. That's right. <laughs> I like Guess it. starring the guy from the blind side that looks like Anthony Anthem, who's doing this podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have Michael B. Jordan play me then. <laughs> oh, oh, we're going to go that far. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you want Michael B. Jordan. You know what? I mean, <laughs> hey, you're gonna get anybody going to be that guy. You know what? Then I want Chad McBosman. I want Chad McBosman. Then that's all I want. I want Chad McBosman to play me. Uh huh. I got the guy from Creed. <laughs> I got Black Panther. <laughs> Black oh, Panther on a podcast. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Oh, King T'Challa. <laughs> Killmonger, <laughs> but come to forever. We do not 
Oh, yeah, that's too funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, I like to make sure we laugh a little on this podcast, too. So, oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you got a good sense of humor, so this is going to be quite the ride for the next while. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you want to do on podcasts. You want to make them entertaining, but yet informative. So I yeah. truly agree. <laughs> All right. So you were in the military, correct? Correct. How long were you, uh, what branch were you in and how long were you in the military concert? Okay, well, I was in the United States Army and I served eight years. Seven of those years were active duty and one year was in the reserves. I mean, what was it like for you, like, serving our country? I mean, I know that it had some hardships. Personally, for me, I feel like it was a part of my destiny. I felt like at that time period in my life, I belonged where I was at. And I felt like I had a calling to be there where I was at. Uh, I tell people that I believe it was one of the best decisions I've made in, in my adult life. Uh, it surrounded me around people who taught me things beside my parents. You know, my parents have been married for 41 years now. And so they taught me a lot of good things and had me around a lot of good influences because, you know, they raised us in church. My dad's a minister. My mother's an evangelist missionary. So they, they had us around good influences. But there comes a time period in a young man's life where he has to go out and develop his own identity, you know, away from the uh, his parents. He had to go and identify his own niche and his own character as a man, you know. And I feel like being the, I feel like the military did that for me. Uh, I met a lot of people who thought there was something about me. And, you know, it's it's one thing when your parents say, you know, but then and people you grow up around, but it's people who are strangers to you just don't know you from a can of paint, just walk with you and say, I don't know what it is, but there's something about you. And, and they take and they took a special interest in me. And so, you know, I, and those guys would turn out to be guys who were my my sergeants and stuff like that. And I can see how they spent extra time mentoring me and they would take the time to do so. And so I, I learned a lot because I, I was willing to accept mentorship from people who were older than me and more experienced than me. And so in the military, and so I learned a lot of leadership skills. Not, you know, I learned leadership growing up, but I was able to exercise it through the military more or less than I would have in the civilian world. And so uh, I feel like it groomed me more or less uh, to handle high stress environments while still maintaining the role of a leader. Wow. Sounds like you were definitely given a lot of gems um, when, um, when you were in the service. And it sounds like a lot of people saw a lot of things in you. You probably didn't see yourself, which that's awesome, though, because one thing my mom even told me from her time serving is it brings out the person you never thought you could be. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I respect about it is it can it can lead to being something that could be used in real life, like regular life skills. Mm -hmm. yeah, my mom always told me, like, if it wasn't for the Marines, I don't think I would have been able to handle raising you two by myself. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine how you've had to apply it in your life. Do you feel like uh, um, with, the, like, with the knowledge you've been given in the military, um, do you think that's one of the reasons why... Um, you kind of pushed the uh, current situation in your life to make more happen when it comes to our veterans and anybody that is in need in the military. Do you feel like that um, that was one of your motivations is the fact that what they've given to you, you wanted to give back? It's a variety of things that makes me the man that I am today. Uh, one being my upbringing, you know, like I said, my parents raised us in church. And so I've always tend to lean on that, you know, the teaching. And I always fall back on that teaching. It's what's in me. And so I think that has a part of doing with it because I remember praying and I remember asking God, well, um, I want to be able to help people. And how can I help them? And in what ways can I do so? And so I remember seeing and studying and I studied on Abraham and Abraham, you know, if you know his story, 
well, he became the the father of as many descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so that's something about that appeal to me, about him being the, the father and having that many descendants. And when they appealed to me, I said, I want to be able to help as many people as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so with the skills I learned in the military, they helped me develop my leadership qualities and leadership teaching, which I use in, in the civilian world. But then when I left the military, I went and got my bachelor's degree in political science from the University of Houston downtown. Uh, then wow. I also, yes, sir. And then also I got a, an associate's degree working in automotives and I completed a executive MBA fellowship in entrepreneurship at, UC, at UCLA. And so I took all those strengths together with my upbringing, with my education, my military background. And it, it just came to me as I was praying. It was saying, how about helping the vets? And this is how you can go about doing it through transition units, uh, transition units theory. It, and that's the concept that I've been uh, pushing out since 2017 to help the veterans and things of that nature because it shaped me and it shaped and it grew in me in my adult life where I started developing my own niche and my character um, according to the military principles. And I, I take that with pride and with honor and I, feel blessed, and I feel blessed that I've had the honor to have served my nation on three combat deployments because you know, on each deployment, I learned a lot. So uh, it really helps me like I said, groom those. And I remember there was this guy, he passed away a few years ago. His name is Command Sergeant Major Elijah King. And when I first got in my unit out of basic training, my unit was supposed to go to the field um, two days later when I showed up. I hadn't even been received, I haven't even been issued my gear yet. And Sergeant Major King was like, look here, Private Maxwell, you've been here, we're gonna be here for two days. We have orders to go to Iraq. You're just fresh out of basic training. Uh, we're gonna be in the field for a month, but you're gonna stay behind. Don't make me regret it. <laughs> and so after that, and so after that month when they came back, he seen me again. He said, hey, Maxwell, come here real quick. I said, uh, what's going on, Sergeant Major? And he said, I've never seen this before in all my years in the military. And by the time I think he had like 25 years in. And, and I said, what's going on, Sergeant Major? He said, you've been recommended for an award for leadership as a brand new private within your first month. In your wow. first unit. <laughs> yes. The first and, month. Yes. And so he he said, I'm going to push it because of the things that I heard about you. I'm going to authorize it to go through. And I want to let you know that I'm proud of you for not, you know, for stepping up. And you continue to, with that for the rest of your life. Continue that mentality. And so, uh, like I said, he passed away a few years ago. I believe he had a heart attack. And, and these are the type of stories and type of people I met, I met throughout my career where people who were influential and inspiring, they look to en enhance your skills to become leaders and they look to find your niche and they help you uh, nurture it. They help you nurture it and grow it and develop it. And that's one thing I do say I loved about the military. I love that about the military. So, sounds like the military really pushed you to be um, a very strong and self-sufficient man. But I mean, let's say you got three different degrees. Let's say you you went up a huge ranking within the first month of post boot camp. Like, man, I mean, I want to just say this in layman terms: you're a bad man, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Maxwell. <laughs> like, I, mean, well, I appreciate seriously. it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, it's just I just put in my best effort. And uh, like I said, I pray about things before I maneuver. And I ask God to give me strength, wisdom and intelligence. And a lot of times my success, that's where exactly where my success comes from. And in my failures, the things where I fell short was when I got away from that mentality. So as long as I've stayed in that mentality, it's like the more I embrace um, God's calling for me, it's like the more I start to understand the wisdom in the anointing of my destiny. And so that's how I feel right now is that I'm really starting to embrace the anointing of my destiny that has been prepared for me since before my birth. That's, I can dig it. Because I mean, when it comes down to it, like, 
I think we all have a purpose on earth. Mm-hmm. Sometimes God speaks to us in ways that have no bounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say this from a person that was raised in church myself. I mean, my grandfather was a pastor for like 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of understand like having, you know, the morale and things that have been instilled in me as well. Like, mm-hmm. I come from a family of strong people. So it's always good to he- like hear like a person, um, another person's side of the story too when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely something enlightening. So, with this program that you're doing, um, how long has the program been around? Well, it hasn't been around yet. It's a concept. Okay, that, it's a concept. Okay. Correct. And it's in the process of being presented as a bill in the state of Arizona. Uh, I pitched it at the Arizona Military and Veterans Committee on March 25th of this year, 2019. They love the idea. They, you know, I uh, showed in the presentation that, you know, that the DOD had did a case study with over a million enlisted personnel and 80 percent of those guys had a high school diploma. Ten percent has uh, an associate's and seven percent have a bachelor's degree. So you're looking at the largest portion of your personnel. These guys are enlisted and these guys get out on voluntary terms. So they don't do the full 20 year service. So this is your bulk of people leaving the military. And yet when they come into the civilian world, they don't have the credibility to get good paying jobs because you want a decent paying job. You usually need to have some sort of degree backing you. So these guys don't have degrees backing them. You know, a lot of times these guys have the work experience, but they don't have the actual technical certification. And so what I'm proposing through my program, we provide these guys the opportunity to do so with the transition units theory bill. And like I said, this bill is being pushed uh, around for January 2020 in in the state of Arizona at their at their house. So uh, we hope that it passes and then we hope it passes at the Senate and of course at the governor's level. So that way and so that way we can help these vets. Uh, we also want to have the military involved and want to reach out to you know some generals and uh, some secretary of staff, secretary and, uh, and stuff like that, secretary cabinet members and we want to ensure that we can do what's best for our vets because at the end of the day is, you know, vets sacrifice eye, limb, and eyesight, you know, life, limb, and eyesight, you know, for the sake of the country and to protect country and for opportunities that this country provide for, the, you know, provide for us. So, uh, you know, I believe that it's fair that we provide these guys the same opportunities to where, you know, they can leverage their skills into, into a civilian market. You know, because they have systems now in place that do these things, but the the issue is they're still a part of the military unit, and so since you're, they're still a part of the military unit, they're still held accountable for military uh, accountability for their you know for their responsibilities. Well, that becomes an issue because I shared in the presentation, I shared in some you know previous podcasts and speeches, where it creates a barrier language, and it's something as simple as two words too easy you know uh, you know as it say me and you were talking anthony and let's say you're the sergeant i'm the private and you say hey private maxwell can you go sweep over there or can you um, go to the range and hit 20 out of 25 targets and i, I would say too easy so I'm, i can do this i got it it's too easy hmm. well you know in the military you know that's that's smiled upon you get a thumbs up it's like that's what i'm talking about young soldier go make it happen well, you know, but in the civilian world, people look at you a little different and they start to give you that side eye and they start to you know, think that you're arrogant. And well, they don't want to do business with someone who's too arrogant because they feel like they can't tell you nothing. And in all actuality, in the military, the terms too easy means I'm acceptable to being taught things and I'm willing to take what you taught me and exercise them with confidence. So. It's a, something as simple as being a part of the military unit and using those two words creates a huge language barrier between the serv- the brand new veteran and the civilian market. Mm-hmm. I will say that um, one of the things that I, f- I feel like it it should be something like too easy. I mean, I feel like if anything, that comes off as confidence. 
And people are afraid to show confidence in this day and age. Like, honest confidence. And then it seems like people get judged way too easily when they express their confidence. Like, hey, yes, I can do this. Not, um, I might be okay at it. Like, Mm -hmm. that right there just shows, like, that you think possibilities are endless. Yeah. So, I... I respect that. I respect that a lot. Mm-hmm. You seem like a very determined man. You got a lot of ambition. I see, like, just burning with vigor, pretty much. Yes, sir. I mean, I believe that as men, you know, people in general, but as men, I believe that we should abide by four principles. Uh, the first one is we should have a purpose, you know, and our purpose, like I said, being being a Christian, a uh, baptized, born-again Christian, I believe that God provides us purpose. You know, and in doing so, I believe that purpose provides our code of ethics, our morals, and is our mission for life. So that's the first principle. And then the second principle is the work we do. If we do the work in accordance to our principles, you know, that shows your discipline and your character. And so the third principle is financial, because now if you're have your code of your, your destiny, your purpose. You're doing the work according to your destiny, your purpose. Now, when you look at the financial side, which is the third principle, is it's just support. You know, finance is what money is is influence and it's a resource. So now you have supporters involving their influence and their resources towards your purpose, towards the work that you've been doing in accordance to your mission. And then the fourth principle is emotion. That's when you can be happy. And and, and I base it upon several biblical scriptures. The, the first one is, uh, you know, the Bible says you prosper as your soul prosper. And so that's where I got that concept from. You prosper as your soul prosper. And then I look at it as in the book of Genesis when uh, after, you know, they say what well, God said, let there be light and there was light. Well, in the end, he said, it is good, which showed his happiness at the end, not while he was working. And so that's where I developed those four principles from. Just pretty much just having a purpose, uh, doing the work of that purpose, getting support for the work of the purpose, and being happy that you were able to live a purposeful, feel life. Wow. Wow. I can definitely respect that. And I like the fact that you have those principles. So, do you, um, I take it that you want to be able to assist other people with these principles? You want to be able to kind of give them the knowledge towards um, towards your, kind of your policy in line? Correct. Uh, I actually do motivational speaking, and inspirational mm-hmm. speaking, leadership speaking. Uh, I do those, uh, and, and I do that at conferences and workshops and uh, different events like that. And so that's part of one of my entrepreneurial venues. And so I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing how people leave enthusiastic and inspired about life, you know, and, and it inspires me. And I truly feel blessed because I mean, you know, God has blessed me being the position where I can do these things and I can impact people's lives and inspire people's lives. You know, it's a blessing to see, you know, how people turn around uh, from certain scenarios. So. Okay. I like that. I'm sorry. I'm enjoying everything you're saying. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not just being like repetitive. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, literally, I'm enjoying what you're saying. Uh, good, I, good. Well, I appreciate it. Like seriously, like you haven't said anything that I dislike or distaste. Like for me, I like going back to what I said earlier. Like I always felt like people have a have a purpose, whether it's people that you meet or within yourself mm-hmm. there's always something that you can learn from the experience or learn from even like the teachings of whether you're a Christian or you know a person who is um, in that spiritual realm like Sometimes I feel like those are the keys to giving people basic knowledge 
I mean, let's see, what's the basic instruction before leaving the earth? It's the term I've heard. Um, people use abbreviation for the Bible. And with those instructions, you can take and use it towards your purpose. So the fact is, I see that you're trying to abide by these instructions like, okay. Because you can learn from every story in there. Like, Mm -hmm. every story in there has a purpose and can be a key to a lot of people's success in life. Or just Mm -hmm. how to handle certain problems and missteps. Mm -hmm. So, that's one thing I've always dug about that. um, About that in general. (laughs) If it makes any sense. It does. So, that's why for me, I always keep an open mind to, like, everybody's beliefs. And, because you never know what you're going to get. I've had talks with uh, spiritual people throughout the last couple years. A lot Mm -hmm. of folks from Christianity to, like, the Muslim faith to Buddhism. I've I've had talks with a lot of people over the years. Mm -hmm. And... One thing I've learned from it is this is this is also a point of guidance. Mm-hmm. Because obviously God speaks to um, people in different ways. That's one thing I've learned. Because mm-hmm. I am a true believer. I believe in God. So mm-hmm. for me I, I think everybody speaks um, everybody has an opportunity to get knowledge from him just in different ways. That's my that's just what I how I feel. I can't really say it's like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like but it's great that you have that cuz some people don't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's um I think that's an important part of everything. Yes. I agree. I believe that everyone should have some sort of guidance and and like I said, for me, like I said, we all have free will. You know, you talked about the different religions. And like I said, we all have free will to make a choice. And, yes. like I said, you know, and I've made my choice, you know, and everyone's going to make their choice, you know. But like I said, in all, we're still a work in progress. And so, oh. we, you know, we're constantly growing and developing and maturing. And as we mature, there should be signs of change and maturity. You know, as you mature, there should be something different about the way you talk or, you know, things of that nature. So because now you can see the maturity, you know, because what a man think is, so is he and the treasures of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. So the more you become, you know, in the stronger beliefs, you start to speak on these things more because there are jewels in your heart. And of course, everyone takes, you know, and everyone takes value into those things that they are finding valuable. And so, you know, that's something that I strongly believe. And it, it, it like I said, it's helped shape me in ways that I couldn't even imagine. And so, but then that's mm-hmm. how God works too. You know, and I look at the story like Moses and how, you know, God isolated him when he was in the wilderness and shaped him the way he thought he needed him to be. And and the whole time Moses was saying, why me? Why pick me? My brother Aaron is a great speaker. And Moses stuttered and he had a speech impediment, you know, and and, and God told him, I didn't choose Aaron. I chose you. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Maxwell, can I ask you something? By any chance, do you know my mother? Because you have basically said all the things she has said to me over the years. Like uh, <laughs> within that last paragraph of a um of sentences, literally yeah. from the soul man thinking soul man is all the way to just now. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like seriously, <laughs> my mom gets on me about that too because sometimes I be uh-huh. thinking negative and then she comes in with that and I'm like, oh, you know, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Don't do that. Right now, I just had like a quick flashback. 
<laughs> Trust me, my mama tells me every day. Matter of fact, she has a saying she tells even before we get off the phone. She'll say, take the Lord with you everywhere you go. Now we can hang up the phone. She, you cannot hang up the phone until she lets you know, take the Lord with you everywhere you go. And so um, it, it, it's funny because as kids, I, you know, as, as a child, I would listen to it. I would take it in. But then sometimes I would still reject it, you know. I would say, well, I don't want to be that in-depth. I want the knowledge and how I want to understand it, you know, the principles and meanings. But to actually apply it was some things I didn't – I just wasn't matured mentally where I wanted to apply. And as I'm getting older, the more I start to apply, that's why I stated that the more I embrace it, the more I start to understand the wisdom and the anointing of my destiny – it's because now the more I start embracing that, you know, alongside with what I've been taught, it's like doors are just opening for me, you know, and it's just out of nowhere. Like random people will just say, hey, I seen, I heard about you or I seen what you're doing. Let me introduce you to this person or let me introduce you to this that person or, you know, here's this opportunity that might be really good for you. And it's just like just out of nowhere. So, uh, you know, and I, like I said, that's destiny when doors are open, when you don't even see the angle which they're coming from. So, I will say this: like, so here's the thing about the word faith, man. And mm. I feel like people don't have enough in it because mm. people fear faith. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably the biggest leap you can make in life in anything. Mm-hmm. Whether it's faith in a God, faith in yourself, faith in marriage, anything. Like, I feel like faith is always that big giant leap Mm -hmm. that people um, try to make. Mm -hmm. And they fear it. Sometimes you have to take that leap of faith Mm -hmm. and just let it happen. Be amongst it. Yeah. Well, I understand, according to my teaching, is fear is the opposite of love. So how can you say you love yourself when you live in fear? And and that goes to show you can't let fear stop you from faith. Because now, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. You know, you see that, you know, let's look at business, entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur. I can go in and say, I have no leads. I have no regular customer base. You know, I don't have a product or a service. I don't have a team for marketing. I don't have all these things. But yet, I'm come from nothing. All I have is this little bit of faith. And I'm just going to go ahead on and step out and say, I'm going to believe I'll make this idea work. You know, and then grow it. And that's why they say the greatest entrepreneurs are the ones who start off with nothing because you learn to leverage Every little thing, you you don't come in with someone saying, "Hey, here's fifty, you know, here's fifty thousand dollars, here's a million dollars." No, you say, "I'm penny pinching until I get to fifty thousand. I'm penny pinching until I get a hundred thousand. I'm penny pinching until I get to a million, you know." And so, and and that's all it is. It's just the exercising of faith. You may exercise faith in business, but then at the same time is that's how we look at spirituality: is to exercise faith like an entrepreneur does in business. You know, and like I said, that's just my upbringing, the way I was teaching and, and my understanding uh, about faith. And I look at it even in combat. I had to have faith with people who I, you know, who I hadn't known all my life. And I had to trust them to go to, to go to war with and to go to combat, you know, and I trust them with my lives, you know. And a lot of those guys I still talk to today. And some of those guys, we come from different backgrounds, different walks of life, you know, different races, different cultures, different ethnicities. And we came together under one common goal. And we were successful under that common goal. And that is, you know, and that's crucial because, again, that's also faith. You're having faith in strangers who now, because of certain circumstances, have become brothers and lifelong friends. And that's beautiful right there in the cell. Um, with that, um, we need to take a quick break. Um, we'll be right back after this. Hey, we're back, guys. Uh, sorry about that. Um, 
with that, we have um, we have, of course, with us um, Mr. Cornelius Maxwell, military veteran, uh, well educated with three different degrees, and of course, just all in general, a well-rounded individual trying to do what he can to give back for the um, to the world with his program for the vets. Um, so, sir. Mm-hmm. Now that we have spoken a little bit on that um, from our uh, from the previous topic, so what what does the future hold for you? The future holds many things. Um, I want to get into the realm of advocating for people with special needs uh, because my older brother he has autism, and so. Uh, I spent my childhood, actually he's my older brother, so I spent my entire life, you know, dealing with people with those who, who are unique in original. I believe that, I don't believe that people have disorders or disabilities. I believe that God makes us each unique and original in our own way, in accordance to our own purpose. And I come to that conclusion because back in 96, my mother was in a car accident. And she had three slip discs in the back of her neck, and those discs were sitting on her nerves. And to the long story short, they were saying that she was supposed to end up uh, paralyzed from the neck down or, you know, if they did the surgery or something, those things of that nature. Or she can just suffer the rest of her life, you know, in that constant pain. And God used my brother in this scenario where for some reason he became intrigued by the swelling in the back of her neck. And he just started rubbing it. He would just rub it. And then one day he kissed on the forehead and he just pushed on the back of her neck. Hmm. And, you know, and my mother hit the ground. You can hear a loud thump. And then you can hear her just scream at the top of the lung in pain. And she was on the floor trembling and just crying. And, and, you know, my brother just ran off laughing. And, you know, we got mad at him and we was yelling at him like, man, don't do that. That's mama. She hurt, you know. And we wanted to make him understand. The more we yelled at him, the more he laughed. And... Hmm. And so he did that about six or seven times. And then after that, we noticed that the swelling on her neck started going down. And mm. yes, and we noticed that she was able to turn her head without having to turn her shoulders. And we, and so my dad took my mother to the hospital and we had an MRI done. And he said that all three discs had been pushed back in place as if nothing had ever happened in the first place. So... I say that from that story, God utilizes people in his own way. And that goes back to the story of Moses when you know he was saying how I, he had the speech impediment. And yet God said, I chose you, not your brother. And so since God used my brother, and that's you know, that's world-class medical surgery without having to tear the flesh open and put it right back in place. Because the whole time my mother was suffering, she would always say, for God I live, for God I die. I'm not going to change my opinion no matter what. And so that was her faith, and she exercised her faith. And this is how God opened doors. He used my brother, who he couldn't speak. He doesn't have the skills to speak. He doesn't speak. He doesn't uh, sense danger and things of that nature. So, and he was real athletic. He'll take off running. Like, you know, we try to go somewhere in the car, he'll take off running, and you couldn't catch him. And so, Matter of fact, he was so fast. I believe one time my mother and I got in the car and he was skipping at 45 miles an hour while we're going side by side with him. And I remember looking at the speedometer seeing 45 miles an hour. And it was just, I was like, wow. And so a lot of times he'll just dart off and you're not going to catch him. And, you know, it's times where we almost got hit by cars, like hundreds of times we almost got hit by cars trying to, make sure he doesn't hit because he didn't sense the danger and stuff like that. So I really want to help people with special needs because I want to help them sharpen those skills that they do have because they're skills that they have that we just have to learn how to nurture and mature and develop those skills, you know, because at the end of the day is God uses all, you know, um, and, and who are we to say you lack skills or you lack talent and you lack ability when God can use anybody. And so since I saw that growing up, it it solidifies my belief. 
because I've seen that type of miracle, which most people say that's not. I think I've seen a video where a guy was saying miracles are not normative today. And and I say that's not true because I've seen it with my own eyes and I've seen it through my mother's exercising of faith. And so he is saying that miracles are not normative today is because he lacked the faith for miracles to be normative for him. And so, because again, a little bit of faith can move mountains. And that's what we've seen because the doctor said she was supposed to be paralyzed from the neck down. And I initially pushed the concept, the uh, transition units theory concept to help the veterans at my mother's art exhibition. She was supposed to no longer paint. And now she's an international known artist for her artwork. And this is a woman who's not supposed to be able, who's supposed to be paralyzed from the neck down. So the fact that she's an internationally recognized artist now is another miracle. So. Wow. That's right there. I think that's something people should definitely kind of take in because, you know, what's crazy. Okay, so I feel here's something that. Um, a gentleman talked to me about yesterday. Um, he's a psychic. Mm-hmm. Um, he believes in God, of course, and everything. And I do believe with faith, it brings out something in somebody. Um, he said his faith brought out his ability to, you know, help others with his ability. Mm-hmm. What you just said about your mother and everything just leading to her making a recovery from her slip disc. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, that just, I mean, that makes it hard to believe there isn't a presence of that sort. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, seriously, like, that's that's more than a miracle. That's it's almost for me like that's proof. For some people it might be a question. For me, that's 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 like that's a whole new take on things. That's a whole new take that I think people should open the um open their minds to. We never know what we can see in a lifetime. And you witness something great. Something that people wish they could have witnessed themselves or could have had that miracle be bestowed upon them. Mm-hmm. So. That's right. And I agree. And it's just a matter of being a believer. You know, uh, like I said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He died for our sins so that we can have a more fruitful and prosperous life. And that's the reason why he came was to teach us these things and these methods. And that's the reason why they documented it. Uh, They documented because the simple fact is now you have access to that same knowledge. And, and that's why I say my failures, I believe my failures where I've come short is when I've gotten away from that way of thinking, that way of believing, then I left myself exposed uh, to things that I shouldn't have put myself in positions. I shouldn't put myself into, but then that's, comes along with the realms of free will. And so with that being stated, the more I choose to follow this path in this direction, and if it seems like doors are opening, I'm seeing things in a different light and a different understanding. And and people are even hearing it, even in the way that I speak and in my conversations these days. And so I feel that I'm blessed because of the simple fact that I've been blessed to see uh, such miracles uh, or blessings uh, because, like I said, they were expecting her to be paralyzed, and now she's, you know, matter of fact, we, uh, there was a art submit, someone reached out to me. We had just launched my mother's brand. Her, name, her brand is Lorna Renee, and it, it's, like I said, this, we entered into an international showcase, right, with some of her artworks. It was two of her artworks, mm-hmm. and this showcase had 12,000 submissions worldwide. They had representatives from 60 different countries, and they had representatives from 400 different cities worldwide. And I'm talking about from France, from Stockholm, from Sweden, um, 
Italy, just everywhere. Wow. And yeah, and I believe out of those 12,000 submissions, I believe 150 of those pieces were selected. And two of my mother's pieces were selected out of those 12,000 submissions. And so, you know, and it's just a blessing to see that even in her art, because she started off in high school, well, she did a, a painting in high school in which her painting placed second in the state uh, in, a, in an art, ex, you know, in a, in a competition. And so, but she really just hadn't focused on her art until 2013. And, you know, she had, matter of fact, um, you know, she had been married already for 30 something years and she's had five children and, you know, including one with autism. And you've seen two of your sons and my brother's also in the army and he deployed. So at one point, my brother and I were deployed at the same base at the same time. So, oh. yes. And so, you know, the stress that had to be on my mother to know that two of her sons are, you know, in the combat zone. So, you know, and I said, Mama, you've been through all this stress and uh, worrying. And I said, I'm going to help you with your business. So I've been helping her launch the business brand of the Lorna Renee. And uh, her website is www.lorna, L-O-R-N-A, Renee, R-E-N-E, fineart.com. And, and I'll make sure to put that in the description as well. Okay, great. Appreciate it. Now, I mean, she has excellent work. Every time people see her work, they're like, wow, that's amazing. And, and she's really talented. And she can use different, you know, different mediums. You know, she, she, use oil, she creates oil paintings. She creates acrylic paintings. She does watercolors. She does pencils. Mm. She does pastel. She does charcoal. She, her talents are limitless. <laughs> Shout you out know. to Mama Maxwell for that. Straight <laughs> yes. And, and it's just amazing. Like I'm really excited seeing how she's thriving with her art. And, uh, I'm excited about it. You know, because I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't draw a stick figure, to be honest with you. You know, I just no, don't have the talent. <laughs> I don't have that talent. Uh, and, and so, but it's amazing because she can take a blank canvas and just create something. And she does it just like freestyle. I've seen people, they practice doing the same thing over and over again. And no, she just, no, she just prays about it and just go. <laughs> and, and, and when you see the end, it's just like, wow. And that's how I look at a word, like, wow. You know, and I just feel like I'm blessed to call her mom. So That's, that's awesome. Hey. Gifts come in different um different packages. <laughs> they do. They do. It's just a matter of being having enough faith to nurture and let them grow. Hey, my mom is a dope singer, so mm -hmm. you know, one thing I always said, she's always gonna be one of my favorite singers in life. Mm -hmm. So I understand when it comes to, you know, when you see your like your parent, somebody who raised you and made you, and they have a talent they can excel in. Mm -hmm. Always, I always felt that was always important to me because it gave me motivation to pursue singing and doing mm -hmm. music and stuff, and you know, using my voice. Because mm -hmm. my mom was sang for different churches. She sang in the national anthem, different venues. Heck, like at this point, she's singing for Jackson County or Kansas City at most big events. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, I need to hear you sing the national anthem. Uh huh. <laughs> that would be just great. That would be super. <laughs> <laughs> like this is really what happens. Yeah. <laughs> just like. Oh my gosh, Celestine, you were just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. I truly understand. And, you know, and even when I sell it, like sometimes we, we uh, sell her art prints. That's what we sell online is her prints. But she does originals, she does restorations. And yes, we sell them the paper prints and we sell them also gallery style. So you can hang them up, you know, like on your, on your walls and you know, have them standing on the, on the tables and stuff like that. So, so we have them on multiple platforms like that. But 
it's crazy what's watching her put the originals together and, and you can see how she's trying to put it together, spend her mind to make it work. And like I said, it's just really intriguing to me to just, just see how the end result turns out. So, uh, and, and, and I like that. Where my mind frame is more of a, I'm more strategic in strategy and I like to study systems and I really enjoy learning systems. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys. So I'm like a nerd when it comes to studying systems. I want to learn everything about the system. Uh, I really excel at that in the military. So, you know, I think that's where I really learned my love of systems was in the military. Um, you know, and, and, and that's the reason why I think that's part of the influence why I even got my bachelor's in political science because I started learning different government systems and um, stuff like that. And especially since I was already change and you know I was there during their first elections in Iraq so you know I remember seeing all that there you know back in 06 and stuff like that I was there and um you know so you know so I started to learn systems like that and I wanted to be a part of those systems and I want to be able to make a difference by uh learning systems and you know especially like government systems and our government system and being able to make a difference that influence people for generations long after my days are gone and I want people to still be able to say that my legacy was Cornelius was able to help as many people, as numerous as the stars in the sky. And that's beautiful, man. I, I, I do got one last question, and um, you can feel comfortable if you want to answer this or not. Because, mm-hmm. like, like, being the fact that you were deployed in Iraq, Especially in the timeline that you were deployed there, like, were there any difficulties where you felt like you wouldn't make it out of there? Well, that's the thing because when I first got there, when I first landed, a lot of my buddies thought I was nervous or scared, but I wasn't. I felt like I belonged there at that time. And God reassured me because I was in certain situations where things would happen and God would show me those things like moments before they happened. And it was his way of reassuring me that he was there and he was protecting me. And because like I said, I would see these things. And I would see these dangerous moments and I would actually live them out in my head. And then seconds later, they would happen. So like I said, I felt that I belong there and it was part of my destiny because of that. Because like I said, I was able to have a premonition of these things. Hmm. It was almost like it prepared you for um, the inevitable chance of anything happening. Correct. And I think it was shaping me for my future. That's why I said that's why I felt like I belonged there and it was part of my destiny. Because, you know, how many people you know can say I went to, they went to a combat zone and they saw dangerous situations play out in their head and then seconds later they happened. You know, and so it becomes one of those things that I believe that I'm like Moses. <laughs> it's like I keep going back to Moses, but I feel like I was like Moses. You know, like I was pre-selected for the routes that I'm going down. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was part of my background. Or even like King David, I like I really love to compare myself to King David um, because he was a shepherd and he was always watching his sheep and. You know, I always felt like it was my obligation to help my parents with my brother, you know, because he needed the extra help. And and I've done some research. I pitched this at UCLA back in 2017. I come to find out that in my research, it takes $250,000 to raise someone, a child, from the age of zero to 18. But at the hmm. same time, it takes $2 million to raise a child with autism. You know, so that's a gap of one hundred but of a $175,000 gap. And mm. when you look at the numbers, a report I've seen has shown back in 2015 that there was 3 million people with autism, which comes out to like, it, it, the difference between raising someone with autism and raising uh, someone, uh, a child who doesn't have autism, there's it, a gap of $6.125 trillion. Wow. And so, yeah, so these people really do need help because that's the gap that it takes to raise them financially. And that's something you got to be aware of, because 
I met a lot of people over the years who have children who have autism. Some, mm-hmm. even cases of Asperger's or whatever. Like, yeah. Like, I, it's a real thing, and it's something that I'm really realizing now the world's starting to become more aware of. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to take this into account. Like, these young men, women, young children, they need help. Mm-hmm. And I, I commend you for, you know, being there for your family and being there for your brother. Like, because I know it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's never easy. Like, they have different functions. They, they, um, they can only think so much. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's always different cases. Some very social. Some mm-hmm. folks are very social. Some folks aren't. And yeah. Some have like actions you got to watch out for. Mm-hmm. I mean. And this is just from experience of what I've seen. Mm-hmm. I can never relate to it to the point where, you know, I know everything about it because I don't. Mm-hmm. And, but one thing I know is that you have to be educated when it comes to these, like, type of topics or, like, type, yeah. of, uh, type of surroundings. You got to be aware. And I think that's important that people are aware. And I'm glad you're bringing this up. Mm hmm. Yes, yeah, matter of fact, look at your state minimum wage. I know in some states, I know they're trying to raise minimum wage, but you have been in, and uh, I've been down here even at the, uh, there are certain organizations I know that come down here at the Arizona State Capitol, and mm-hmm. they're petitioning the minimum wage increase because when you look at it, these guys who are highly functional, then they say they have autism, have Down syndrome, but they can function, they can work a part time job, right? Right. Well, these guys are being put out of position where they can't work those jobs because, you know, they're already collecting, you know, like Social Security. Well, Social Security is like $780 a month. That's it. And if these guys only make a certain amount of money or they'll lose that $780 a month. They lose their Social Security benefits, which means they later on down the road, that means they lose their Medicaid, Medicare and stuff like that. So they, and this is stuff that they really need. This is, they, they can yes. do $780. And I don't mind paying taxes for $780 to help someone who really needs it. You know? Yes. But then if you raise a minimum wage, you're putting these guys in position to say, do I lose my benefits, my $780, or do I work a part-time job and make $1,100? And if they end up losing that job, now they've lost their benefits. So you're putting these people in that type of position. So the minimum wage is important in this and I, and I tell people to consider this when they consider minimum wage because you're not considering the people who have autism and Down syndrome and mental retardation who are functional, who can work a part-time job. They may not be able to work a full-time job, but they're able to work a part-time job and they want to work. They don't like to say, I have a disability. They don't like to say, feel sorry for me. I haven't met a single one. So with them, as a matter of fact, they get frustrated when they feel like they can do something and you try to help them and they feel like they can do it. They get frustrated. Yeah. You know? And so why put these people in this position uh, when it comes to the minimum wage? Let's, we have to, so if you're trying to increase the state minimum wage, is there a way that we can work it out to where these individuals can still keep their, their, their benefits and still work? And, and yeah. Because now that becomes an issue, especially when you start cutting that budget and taking that away. I mean, let's be honest. These people want to live just like you want to live. <laughs> like I want to live. You know? Right now, it seems like it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like mm-hmm. it's helping one side, but it's not helping the other, unfortunately. Correct. Like, Correct. one side is going to get damaged from the results of this. And I agree. Like, I want to see minimum wage go up because the cost of living has gone up. But... Mm-hmm. I definitely don't also want to take away from those in need as well. Mm-hmm. There has to be a significant balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think this needs more discussion. It does. It, and this is something, this is why, you know, I do this show is because I want anything to be on the table. Um, anything on the menu. That's literally my motto. And if we don't have discussions like this, how are we supposed to change anything? And how are we supposed to change ourselves when we don't have these discussions? 
Mm-hmm. So that's something um, I think we're gonna. I think we should leave on right there. Like, what can we do to change the current state that we're in? Because I'm seeing it all over the country. We're seeing a lot of people who are trying to make ends meet, mm-hmm. but I've also seen a lot of people who are struggling to keep their child's mouths fed or keep them, you know, going with medical issues or disabilities or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And they're getting overlooked in the process. There has to be a chain of balance. And that's something we need to put more on the table. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like we're focusing the wrong things in the current state of America right now. The wrong thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, like... Where we're spending our money and where we're investing in, we're not investing in the people enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, all people too. Yeah. So and that's important. It is very important. You know, we have to invest in that. As a matter of fact, we have a government that is designed to be ruled by the people, and you know, and, and even the Constitution first thing it says is "We the people." You know, "We the people." So it's "We the people" who has to say so, and. And even so, right now, I have a petition going on for the transition units to rebuild. I'm trying to get support for it uh, at the moment. Uh, I started the petition two, two weeks ago. Um, I'm, almost, I'm almost at 700 signatures. It's on change.org. And you can Ooh, find it. You can just type in my name. Okay, definitely. Uh, you can find it on change.org. And it's under improve the military transition process by including transition units. Or you can just type in my name, Cornelius J. Maxwell, and you can find it there, too. And you can see me, it's a picture of me. I was giving the presentation uh, of the concept at the Oklahoma State Capitol back in uh, around Veterans Day 2017. And so I'm wearing a black suit with a purple tie and I have the background of the Oklahoma State Capitol was inside the building uh, behind me. Oh, that's cool. mm -hmm. (laughs) Well then, um, where can people find you at, um, Mr. Maxwell? Okay, well, they can find me on LinkedIn. It's Cornelius J. Maxwell. Uh, they can also find me on Facebook. I have uh, two pages. I have a personal page and also have a motivational speaker, speakers page on Facebook. And my motivational speakers page is Mr. Cornelius J. Maxwell. Uh, I'm pretty popular on those platforms. And then also uh, for my personal investments, my business ventures, uh, there's my mother's art, which is LornaReneeFineArt.com. And then I'll, I'm also a real estate investor. And so uh, we have a website called Anoint. Our company is called Anointed Real Estate Investments, LLC. And our website there is anointedrei.com. And, of course, uh, like I said, I do public motivational speaking. So you can find me there on website, on uh, Facebook. And as well as I have a, a speaker's profile with globalinspirationalspeakers.com. And you can find me there as well. That's what I'm talking about. And you guys need to go check him out. Check out his causes. Check out his mother's artwork. Um, get to know who the man is that I've been speaking to today. Seriously, like, I um, I can tell you right now, it you be treating yourself to something, well, I might as well just say it, inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as corny as it sounds, I mean, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> You got to speak the truth and that's, you know, that's how you feel. And I truly appreciate it. And I appreciate your audience for listening to me. And I hope they really enjoyed uh, the words that, you know, our conversation and the words that we had to say. I hope someone learned something from it and, and someone benefits from these words. Everybody should take this and just open your mind to any endless possibilities the importance of this show is not to say who's right or who's wrong. The point of the show is to just bring in a discussion, bring in something that may be what you need to hear to change your life or get you, uh, keep you on the past, uh, path. I can't even speak English right now. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is though um, I want to thank you Mr. Maxwell for coming on the show I appreciate you and I 
can't wait to see what you do in the future. Anytime that you need a platform to speak upon anything, you definitely are welcome here on the Delivery Bros. Great, and thank you, and I appreciate it. I truly appreciate it. I love the support, and I, I really am humbled by the support that I've been receiving from you, uh, from people who signed the petition, from even the you know the people who support my businesses. It's, it's just so humbling uh, and rewarding to say, hey, this is a concept that I want to build my life around, uh, you know, behind purpose and, and faith. And people, you know, I'm, doing, I'm putting in the work and people are supporting it financially and with influence. And, and, and like I said, it's humbling, it's a blessing, and I'm truly enjoying this ride. <laughs> I, I, I can tell, man, just the way you speak about it, like, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're doing it right. If, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It sounds like to me, it's a well-working machine. Yes, sir. <laughs> so with that, um, you can find me on social media on Delivery Bros 816, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find me on Anthony Anthem, under Twitter, under Instagram as well, or Delivery Bros KC on Facebook, or Anthony Anthem on Facebook, or Anthony Anthem Williams on Facebook. And... With that, this has been another edition of the, the, oh my gosh, of the Delivery Bros. And this is Anthony Anthem, a.k.a. the Midnight Marauder, a.k.a. uh, Inspired with Fire, a.k.a. Earth, Wind, and Fire, a.k.a. I think we're done. Okay. (laughs) 